0: Hello, my name is Ben,
1: and my name is Carl,
0: and we are your hosts of the Two Vague podcast this week. Carl, how are you doing this fine afternoon? For me, it's morning. For you, it's afternoon.
1: <laughs> it's all right. I'm hanging in there. How about yourself?
0: Likewise, I've got painters over, so there's a lot of noise here in the quote-unquote studio, but making the most of it. Carl works for, well, actually, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a little bit about what you do.
1: For sure. So again, my name is Carl. I I use pronouns he, him, and his, and I am the hotline coordinator for the Games and Online Harassment Hotline. The Games and Online Harassment Hotline is a free, confidential, text message-based emotional support hotline for those who make and play games, video games specifically. It was created as like a a helpline that's catered towards some of the unique experiences and, and language specifically for gamers and people in the game industry. Um, And so we've trained our people who receive text messages to be attuned to, like, Discord or Twitch so that people who text in don't have to spend a whole lot of time explaining themselves around that. And we've found a lane I think that's been, like, necessary, um, which has been really cool. And currently we're running in the United States from 3 to 7 Pacific time. But our website has a ton of resources regardless of where you're from. And to access the hotline, text the word support to two three three six eight. You can also save the number by texting info to the same spot. That's kind of what I help coordinate and make sure that it runs day to day. Nice. And yeah.
0: When I was doing my research for the show, it also says that you are part of the the company of Feminist Frequency. Is that?
1: I would call Feminist Frequency the parent profit. Okay. The parent company that supports the games hotline. Feminist Frequency is run by Anita Sarkeesian, who is known for doing gender critiques on video games, yes. um, and one is one of the primary harassment targets of Gamergate, and so when the games industry had its Me Too movement a couple of years ago, one of the products out of that was the hotline, so our relationship to Feminist Frequency is really tight, but we are trying to develop the games hotline as sort of uh, its own entity.
0: Well, that's wonderful. I listened to a show called What's Good Games, and I heard Jay. They were on the show and they had some really interesting things to say about the word empathy. So I got the idea to have someone on the show from the Games and Online Harassment Hotline. So, Carl, you're the gentleman who's here to talk about that. So I'm really excited to have you here.
1: Me too. I think what's actually super important, and I'm assuming you identify as a man, but I do think like. It's significant to have two men talk specifically about empathy, and so I'm really excited to see where the conversation takes oh, us. Oh yeah,
0: definitely. Let us get into the word empathy. We'll start with a definition according to Oxford Languages, but I think that Webster has a much better definition and a explanation of the differences between empathy and sympathy. So let's just start out with empathy, which is a noun, which is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another developed in the early 20th century oddly enough from the greek empathia, m using in and pathos meaning feelings developed in the 20th century what are your thoughts on that
1: seems late doesn't it
0: yeah it does kind of seem late
1: <laughs> i think it also speaks to some of the power of like who who holds control of language right like at that time it's probably mostly white men coming up with dictionary terms and like enforcing academic ways of defining our world. And so I'm not totally surprised that empathy was come so late if that's the particular group in control of language to some degree.
0: Also, if you look at the words sympathy and then compassion, those two words were used earlier. So sympathy, the noun, late 16th century is when sympathy was used. I guess one can imagine that that was the word that was used prior instead of empathy, which is kind of odd. But then also compassion, I believe that was also an 18th century word. The differences between empathy, sympathy, compassion. Sympathy, according to Webster, I usually like Oxford languages, but Oxford languages, when it comes to the word, has a confusing definition. There is a part of it where there is a ability to share feelings associated with sympathy, but that's not what we commonly think of what are your thoughts on the differences between sympathy and empathy?
1: I think empathy is harder in the sense of like you need to clichedly say, like, walk a mile in someone else's shoes to get it or understand it better, whereas sympathy you can kind of pat them on the back from afar and be like, yeah, what you're going through sucks.
0: I do have a sort of a personal story behind that. I I myself have struggled with panic and anxiety, disorder and depression for most of my life. And My father had known this, he was living in Arizona at the time, but he'd never seen any of the attacks or anything that happened to me, and then one time I decided to take myself off my medications because I felt fine, right, which is never a good idea. I hit rock bottom, and he came to the hospital, and he saw me in the state that I was in, after that, I got back on the medications and I started getting better. And we started talking a lot more about what was going on. And he said to me that he wished he could empathize with the situation, but he didn't quite understand what was going on because he'd never been through something like that before. So he would be there. He said he could sympathize and be there for me but he couldn't understand what i was going through so he was having a hard time of the empathy part i think he meant it like he wished he knew how i felt but he just couldn't it didn't compute to him he didn't quite understand because he'd never been through anything like that before what do you think about that kind of statement
1: i think that's fair like it's better than nothing in my opinion to me, like, empathy takes a degree of trying and a degree of having access to your emotions. And based on like father's generation, I just don't know how easily accessible emotions might be for a man of that generation. And so, like, no, <laughs> the idea of sympathy, I wish I could connect to me is like pretty good. Like, I that's asking for a lot already to some degree so like I, 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 empathy to me feels like it's easier if you've experienced it but it's not impossible to empathize with someone else's pain like everyone i would assume has experienced some degree of pain and we can or happiness for that matter and we can we can connect with that
0: And so it does take work sometimes because there are we can't always be aware of a, someone's situation or i mean we can't I mean, empathy, empathy can sometimes be something where you have to sort of imagine. There's a component that is, if I was in this situation, how would I feel? But it does have to do with the feelings associated with whatever the situation is. And you are correct. The not being as in touch with feelings for a man of his generation was definitely in place.
1: Not unusual.
0: No, not unusual. Not only for him, but my family. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little aside there, but yeah, it was, I I just thought it it made me feel supported at the time. I mean, just that he was trying. So, you know, there, there was kind of that, even though he said he wasn't being empathetic, I, I felt the opposite because of the, you know, him trying to. So even though he said he couldn't, I thought his actions spoke louder than the words in that case. He was indeed empathizing whether he realized it or not
1: yeah and i think that kind of honesty and that kind of boundary really helps us anyway so like the point the point is that you felt supported and i think that's really really powerful
0: and i think a lot of the folks that call you guys for support call i I keep on making that mistake this is a text-based service right it is um and it's calls
1: texts all the same (laughs) well we're not huge into semantics you know i mean we're here to support people in any way that we can
0: Well, I mean, as far as phone calls, there's a different sort of, true. yeah, it's, it it is a little bit different. And, but I guess the audience that you are connecting with is a tech savvy audience that is more comfortable in that space as far as communication. And I guess if there is a need for other things, such as talking to someone in a capacity that is more like a therapist or therapy type of stuff those are the kind of resources that you provide or direct people to if, if that's necessary is that correct
1: that's true again because of some of the unique parlance in like game industry and game culture we do have a list of therapists who are familiar with that that we can refer to because oh, okay. um, we're not we're not a line we're not for therapy we're not a like we're not licensed therapists right and so it's just emotional support and there are ways to train on that We also have a list of therapist networks who are people of color, who are women, who are like disabled, who are queer, LGBTQ. So like um, we try our best to accommodate based on some of the identities because like we kind of talked about earlier, sometimes it helps to go to see someone who is at least slightly familiar with your own experiences. And it makes it kind of easier to uh, open up because you feel like there's a shared understanding. Right. Like when I was in, when I was an undergrad, I knew I needed therapy, but there was no way in hell I was going to see anyone other than someone who was Asian American. Okay. Um, as someone who identifies as Asian American myself, growing up more like, I know bullshit. Like there are, there are good therapists and bad therapists. Right. Um, but we know that sometimes to get people into therapy, it requires some level of connection to to make sure that some of the empathy is already built in, um, even if that's kind of a broad assumption.
0: I don't know if this is generational, also. This is kind of. Maybe it's a, a part of my generation is, is someone who is Generation X. I never really paid too much attention. I mean, it was just kind of like, if someone can help me, I didn't really pay attention to the other extraneous things. that 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 made them who they are as a person who had different experiences than I. And so whether you were whatever gender, race, identity... Didn't matter to me, but I don't know if that's the status quo for for Generation X. I think that I like to think that we in Generation X were trying to get rid of labels, but but I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate or if that's just my interpretation. Labels were bad for my generation, at least that's what I felt. But it's now we're living in a culture where I think that labels are being used more frequently, and that's a good thing. But someone is generation x i sometimes have a hard time understanding why we why we need labels and that's an excellent you know it's 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 a form of connection right it's a form of identity and feeling more comfortable with talking to someone who has the same identity as yourself my thoughts are i don't want that to separate us yes i i'm sorry did i get a little about
1: labels like i there's got to be a balance. Like, I do think labels for connections is really good. Uh, and then there's other labeling that's done onto folks from positions of power that aren't good, right? So, like, right. the stigma of being poor or the stigma of being a black person. There are words and statuses that are and labels that are put upon folks like that. And so I do think there's a, an empowerment to self-labeling. Like, I am, I'm mixed, um, you know, I'm disabled. So, like taking those labels on in an empowering way is a good thing. Yeah, um, It agreed. makes me ex- explore identities and communities that maybe I wouldn't have before. Mm-hmm. And whether or not those communities are accepting is a different story. But uh, yeah, I, I think the idea of labels, the idea that Gen X tried to not do that, also I think comes from a particular
0: yeah. lens. In retrospect, that is, you know, it's it's all labels that are bad. It's it's not all labels, but but I mean, negative labels as opposed to Labels that are used to describe one's identity, who they are and how they're, you know, how they're more comfortable, just respecting, respecting other people as I think, I just think that that is what I stand for nowadays, respect others until they give you the give you reason not to until they give you a reason not to. Yeah. Which does happen, but I try not to focus on that too much is focus on the positive and people. Going into the difference really quick between empathy and sympathy and compassion, let me just say, I think Webster split this up really well, where they defined it as levels. Sympathy is a feeling of sincere concern for someone who's experiencing something difficult or painful. Empathy involves actively sharing an emotional experience with that of another person, putting yourselves in the shoes of that person. And then compassion is sort of one step further from empathy. Compassion and empathy both refer to a caring response to someone else's distress. Empathy refers to actively sharing. Compassion adds to that an emotional desire to alleviate the person's distress. The way they put that in the Venn diagram, you would have sympathy is the big circle. Then you have empathy, in-sympathy, and then you'd have compassion in the middle. So that would be the three-circle Venn diagram. Do you agree with those definitions and those distinctions as far as sympathy, empathy, compassion?
1: I mean, who might argue? You know what I mean? It's a
0: dictionary, (laughs) right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, to me, if it's on the spectrum of care, I don't know if it totally matters necessarily the distinction i can say that the primary word that we use on the hotline is empathy um i think that's a really important designation to make uh when it comes to the games hotline because people text in specifically like knowing and hoping that the person on the other side has some sort of connection to games or at least has an understanding of games and games industry stuff and then for us since it is about online harassment Empathy is kind of at the core of combating the negative effects of online harassment, and so
0: of any harassment, really,
1: right? Yeah, for sure. There are unique aspects of online harassment versus like in-person harassment, but generally speaking, for sure, like empathy can act as a bit of an antidote of getting through trauma caused by any sort of harassment. Um, But for the games hotline, definitely the online harassment part.
0: That's another interesting sort of thing: is the differences between a bullying sort of thing in real life as opposed to a bullying in the internet age, in the age of social media. One of the wonderful things about social media is the fact that we have connections to people that we never did before, but there are also those avenues for bullying that are there that didn't used to be. Bullying used to be more of a localized sort of thing, and now it can come from anywhere.
1: Yeah, I always kind of think of it as like, some of the core, some of the principles of why people harass um, haven't really changed over the years. It just feels like the volume has been turned up to, like, 15 yeah. since some of the advent of and popularity of social media and other ways to, like, find and connect people online. So, right, yeah, I, I want to dispel the notion that, like, it's worse because social media exists. I do think it just amped up the volume biden many many times
0: i gotcha that makes perfect sense as far as opportunity there's more of an opportunity now it's not that it's changed bullying is still bullying it's still the, the same things are there but yeah it hasn't made bullying different it's just a different avenue to bully people
1: there's some research out there that shows like people who are jerks online tend to be jerks in person too oh, okay and so it's there is a connection there so it's not like i'm a jerk online but awesome (laughs) offline that's that's not necessarily the pattern right
0: interesting sort of a gaming thing i have known people who seem to be good people in real life who torture their sims they'll do things to their sims and that doesn't sort of compute to me but but then again (laughs) there isn't a real sort of you like to think that's like oh these things aren't real i'm just getting out frustrations or whatever but i just something about torturing anyone (laughs) it doesn't sit well to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what that is, but I do think games in general just offers so many like positives and benefits. I do think having an outlet to, I guess, torture Sims when you like (laughs) are a good, it seems like a good person like off the Sims. I do think like outlets like that are actually kind of beneficial to be able to maybe process stuff, um, either consciously or subconsciously. Mm in a way that boosts self-esteem or like helps us function around people offline. Right. I do think there's elements to games that go underappreciated maybe under-researched on how people process emotions through some of the immersion that games provide, some of the escapism escapism that games provide. So I just don't want to leave here thinking like, oh, this person's a secret sociopathic murderer. Like (laughs) uh, (laughs) there's just some things that you got to do to process. And I think that's okay. Right.
0: Spoken like someone who's done that before. I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do. Like, I was thinking when you said that, like who I am in the car driving around is a pretty different version of Carl outside of the car. Like I yell and scream at people in the car that I never would to their face and so when I think about games there's a bit of a bubble there too of I guess protection from the outside world that might lend to some like higher expressions more heightened expressions of emotion and that kind of stuff doesn't necessarily lead to harassment but I do think understanding why games tend to bring out some raw emotional processing outbursts of anger maybe particularly for men and maybe exclusively and it's not exclusive to men but like particularly for men I think is something worth looking into and thinking about when it comes to, uh, empathy.
0: Yeah. When you were saying that, I mean, if there is research that says that people who are jerks and games, the difference I think is the interaction with bullying is with another person as opposed to a simulated thing, right? So there's the distinction there where we're talking about you're treating others with disrespect as opposed to you're treating a simulation There is no person at the end of that simulation. Unless you watch Black Mirror, but let's not even get into that. (laughs) When you're talking being a jerk, we're talking being a jerk to another person, whether that person is on the end of a the telephone or on the end of a, a letter or on the end of a chat in a game. Are there statistics that you know of about types of games and whether cooperative games foster more empathy than something like like a deathmatch or something like Fortnite? Or, I mean, are there there statistics out there that break down types of games in the way that they can support and how they impact people connecting?
1: Not to my knowledge. No. My gut says that, oh, harassment is a very relational thing. We found out on the hotline, like, yes, there are one-offs. Like, let's say you queue up in a cooperative game like Apex Legends or in squad mode in Fortnite. There are one-off harassment of, like, random teammates using homophobic slurs or racial slurs or anti-Semitic language, Mm -hmm. either directed or not directed at certain people. Right. That exists, for sure. A lot of texters into the hotline talk more relationally, like, these are my friends that are doing this. I'm in this Discord server, this guild, about this game, and I mod it, and there are people in there that are, like, harassing So. The relationship aspect of harassment, I think, is somewhat misunderstood. It's somewhat misunderstood, in my opinion. Like, I, okay. like it's not necessarily strangers all the time. People sometimes just want their friends to stop using the B word, for example. Right. Um, even though that's a little bit more normalized, unfortunately. Yeah. So, traveling down the line, when it comes to empathy as a human and human interaction, is what the games hotline is thinking about and less about the types of games that may or may not foster empathy. Like, I don't have any research or answers around that.
0: Right. When someone contacts the hotline, it's for support. So whether or not it's one type of game or another, it's really immaterial. They're, they're talking to you. It may have to do with the game. It may have to do with something personal. I mean, you know, the, I'm sure that there are people who are more comfortable talking to gamers about things than they would someone who didn't understand games, whether or not their their issue has to deal with specifically harassment in a game. You guys, I'm sure you folks get calls about all sorts of different things that don't directly relate to in-game harassment. Is that is that you have a sort of, or is it mostly in-game harassment sort of stuff that you deal with?
1: A little both. So some of the stuff that we deal with, it's some sort of variation of online or in-game harassment. And so online harassment includes stuff like blackmail or doxing or like repetitive phone calls or DMs that are like work-related, for example. Mm -hmm. We would consider that online harassment to some degree uh, versus in-game harassment, right, which is like experiencing something in the game. So for us, some of the online harassment support People asking for our support around online harassment isn't necessarily tied to games all the time, but a lot of them are.
0: Unless you have anything more to say about empathy as relates to your job, or if you have any stories to share about it that hit home with you, what you do, I mean, do you also work, quote unquote, work the front lines or do you just manage the what's going on day to day with people who are quote unquote manning the phones or do you actually work on the front lines too?
1: Everything on the the hotline is confidential, so I kind of hesitate to say like if I'm on the line or not. Oh no, no,
0: no. that's fine. Yeah, yeah.
1: All of our agents are like super well trained. We keep up with the training. Whenever like gaming news breaks out that might potentially affect a hotline or who texts in, we make sure we let them know. When Roe v. Wade was turned over, we got a couple of texts that directly referenced that, saying oh, like, wow. this normally wouldn't bother me, but with all this stuff going on in the world, like I felt like I needed a little extra support," and so. We try to keep the agents in tune with recent trends on the hotline and make sure that they can perform the best that they can to support people who text in.
0: You know what, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, the world events and things of that nature impacting the way someone feels about whether or not they need support, that definitely does make sense. And it makes sense that you would do that. That's cool that that is incorporated into the hotline is be aware of these different events.
1: And then in terms of empathy and the hotline, like, I think one of the more important things to think about is like harassment as a cultural, more pervasive aspect of not just online environments but the gaming environment and so both in the game industry and people who play like i think that or i should i should say the people who play the gender line is starting to get too even i guess it seems like the number of women and the number of men and the number of queer and trans folks is starting to like catch up to each other right so people who play games isn't overwhelmingly men anymore Mm. the game industry however tends to be a little bit yeah it tends to be a little bit more male a little bit more white and a little bit more able-bodied and hetero than other industries and so when we think about the culture of games industry of gaming we really kind of think about it as like pervasive harassment so what's the air that we breathe and so People who identify as people of color, especially black folks, or people who identify as women or trans tend to just kind of have this pervasive harassment geared towards them just for existing. Right. It doesn't, there's not a whole lot of really good at the game. So you don't face harassment, no matter how good you are, you're, you're, you've you probably already experienced some degree of harassment just because you're a woman, just because you're trans, just because you're a person of color. Mm-hmm. And so some of our support really stems from trying to support folks like that Uh, it's part of the core of understanding how harassment functions comes from the experiences and the sharing of queer and trans folks of people of color and from women and so one of the things about empathy that's really important for me in the games industry is then to also understand how dynamics of oppression and white supremacy and patriarchy function in our world Mm -hmm. so the more we ask for folks to like be empathetic the less harassment there's going to be online generally speaking and so that's why for me and for us on the hotline, like empathy is such a key word in the process, so much so that like one of the more surprising things that happened on the hotline when it first opened were a bunch of people texting in saying that they caused harm and want to help and support on how to get back into the community that they've been like pushed out of because they caused harm. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So we call them accountable, accountability conversations. hmm one of the ways that we use empathy here because it's easy to take these people who probably use misogynistic language or homophobic language and to the degree and extent that they got kicked out of whatever space they were in Mm -hmm. part of the empathetic way to see this is to provide some degree of support for them because they're also feeling extremely isolated uh, alone the degree of remorse lands on a spectrum from like, I don't know what I did wrong to like, I know what I did wrong and I'm trying my best but I'm still feeling these things. Mm-hmm. And so the hotline has started, it's starting to talk about what does support look like in an accountability sense for the gaming industry. Oh, wow. If we can take these, what are mostly men who want to grow and change and learn and be better and provide them some level of support to do that. Ultimately, that's creates a healthier culture for games and games industry. So one of the things that I wanted to plug to make sure to talk about in terms of empathy in the games hotline is this uh accountability support pe- support group for people who cause harm. Oh yeah. Is an important is an important sort of avenue that I think is pretty unique to us. Yeah.
0: You know, that didn't even dawn on me that people who are quote unquote the harassers who may or may not know that they have done something or what they have done wrong. Are also supported on this hotline. I didn't even think about that. My my thought was only people who are victims of the harassment itself.
1: It's tricky, right? Because we don't condone the behavior that landed them out of the group in the first place. Like the the text the 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 path to texting there is like kind of tricky to navigate. Because we like it's not forgiveness or like it's not saying that you don't deserve to be. Ostracized or don't deserve to be harassed for that matter for the things that you said or did mm-hmm. uh, so it's kind of tricky to not condone the behavior that landed them onto the hotline in the first place but then support how they're feeling about not being in the group that they want to be in so it's like one of the i would say cooler aspects of the hotline that we're trying to navigate um, and we were taking steps to address and try to help and see this as an avenue to create a better culture in games in the game industry as a whole.
0: It's an education piece there, right? You're educating people on their behavior and how it's detrimental, and what they can do to help themselves or, you know, help them understand what they're doing.
1: The support group is certainly that. The hotline is not. The hotline is strictly there for support, okay, uh, for emotional support. Like we won't be doing any education there. It's a good way to push someone out, honestly.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So, so this, this other piece is, is separate from the hotline itself.
1: The hotline is used to help bring people into the group.
0: Okay. Whereas this piece where they were saying, I need help. I was alienated from my group. That is something that is a, something that you're trying to navigate. I guess I don't quite understand the difference between the hotline and the group.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a percentage of folks that text in saying they need help because they cause harm. Right, uh, and then there's a group outside of the hotline where we meet as a group. Gotcha. To talk about accountability and what the, what is the harm that we caused and how do we navigate that now that we've done this. So right, uh, okay. the Support group is something. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. They're two separate things. It's it's a resource or how to help people in that position. It's it's kind of like here's this group that you can join and we can discuss the issues involved with what you did and why you were alienated and how to change that right exactly okay
1: so the games hotline the the games and online harassment hotline like there's a hotline itself and then there's a bunch of ancillary stuff that we do like creating resources just recently we created a comprehensive guide to address hate raids so what to do before during and after hate raids if you're a content creator or a Twitch streamer or a YouTube streamer for that matter, that we have a really, really cool guide online that we recently released to talk about that. So we're really proud of that resource.
0: Yeah. Could you explain what a hate raid is?
1: Yeah. So there's a function on Twitch, the streaming platform, where you can take at the end of your stream, you can take all the viewers on your stream and go raid another Twitch streamer. It's meant to like support other streams, right? Because when you bring in... And to hundreds to thousands of people into another stream. That's there's a chance that that stream that streamer gets a lot of new followers and a lot of new subs, which then generates revenue. Right. Uh, so that's kind of the intent of the raid. A hate raid is when a community or streamer or group does the hateful thing and goes to typically an LGBTQ streamer or a black streamer, person right. of color streamer, and floods them with like hate language in their chat. For a lot of streamers, when you follow them, a notification pops up with your name. um, so people will like register as really offensive names and follow so that it pops up. Mm-hmm. You know, just horrible, traumatic things can happen and do happen during a, a hate raid. And so what i'm what we're really proud about is like, since it's mostly marginalized folks who have experienced hate raids, they also came up with countermeasures and their own support groups to think through and talk about what to do and how to like, support each other through these hate raids. And we were able to communicate with those folks and put together this resource mm-hmm. to help everybody out ultimately. But right. for sure, folks who are mostly targets of hate raids like this, which are marginalized streamers.
0: In doing this, did you also involve Twitch or whoever the different folks who do these services, have you worked with them about how to change the platform to minimize these things? Or are they taking actions on their own to do this? Or are they even aware of it?
1: Good question. I don't know what Twitch is doing specifically because we're not hooked in. Just historically, most platforms are really, really terrible with dealing with hate in their spaces or online. Most reports to certain platforms go unheard Mm -hmm. and not dealt with which is one of the struggles that we deal with on the hotline is folks come in very specifically saying like i need this person to be banned so i don't have to deal with them anymore there's just not a whole lot of avenues that banning works and so sometimes all that needs to be acknowledged is like yeah this sucks what you're going through you don't deserve it and there are some resources yes but like sometimes just sitting in the feelings of being harassed is ultimately what they kind of need and they just kind of leave feeling more resilient, feeling more refreshed to handle online harassment. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, both law enforcement and platforms like Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube yeah. just do not know how to handle hate raids or online harassment generally and they typically choose not to.
0: Right. That's unfortunate that you can't utilize or, or leverage the type of things that you get as far as your contacts from people to say, Hey, this is a problem. We need to address this from a a standpoint of maybe you can make tweaks to your platform that will stop. You know, I'm not a Twitch person (laughs) at all, but I can imagine in something like a hate raid. You're taking a whole bunch of people and redirecting them to someone else's stream. So how do you block hundreds or thousands of people? There's there's no real way that you can do that, right? Because you're just... That's true. You're giving all of your people who are following you over to another stream. Does that person get a notification of all these people coming over? Or is it, do we know that kind of granularity about how this raid sort of thing works?
1: Ultimately, it all that's outlined in the... Resource.
0: Gotcha. So check the resource.
1: The short of it is, there's follower-only mode. You can turn off your Twitch notifications that pop up on your screen. Um, You can shut down chat entirely if you want. Um, You can take yourself off camera. You can ask your mods to do more and close the chat for yourself, right? So there's just there's a ton of suggestions in the resource to mitigate the traumatic impacts of a hate raid. And unfortunately, we have to do that from the ground up. We can't. It doesn't seem like which is going to do a whole lot about it.
0: Right. And that is available on the, on the website on the, um,
1: games hotline.org slash hate raids. Gotcha. Yeah. gameshotline.org generally has a lot of really cool resources. So I would check it out if you're online a lot anyway. Yeah, yeah
0: definitely. I'm going to, I'm going to check out that, that cause I've never, um, when you mentioned that before in our warm up discussion about the hate raid, I'd never heard of that. Not being a, a person who, uh, does anything on Twitch, but okay do you do things on twitch do you stream stuff no
1: (laughs) no i do not it's (laughs) it seems really difficult like i don't i wouldn't know where to start in terms of like building your channel building a following and then like constantly being on like that like i've experienced being on as in like giving workshops and stuff like that but like I don't have the creativity and the resilience to constantly be online, playing video games and creating content like that. So no, you will not find me on Twitch um, as a creator, but I have been guests on a couple of streams and that's been fun.
0: I can, I can see it is for some people who are, who can maintain you, you make a great point. It's like be on like that, you know, you know, have the switch turned on and be able to be a personality Anytime you need to be. And to me that it it takes some preparation to flip that switch. And it takes a little, you know, I have to I have to take my time before I can become a personality versus myself kind of thing, right?
1: Yeah, and that's part of the reason why the hotline exists too. Like we often hear from people who text in that the advice they get from other people is to just log off or like ignore it or don't be online or whatever and that's just not an option for a lot of people like it's part of their connection to other humans it's part of their revenue like it's literally their jobs and so some of the advice that they might get from people who don't understand they won't get on the hotline right Uh, so some of the specificity and some of the importance of the hotline exists in uh, some of the support that we give to content creators, people online, to people in the games industry, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful work. Well, I mean, we've talked a lot about games as a concept as far as what it relates, how it relates to you and what you do. But what about what you're playing? Are you playing anything fun these days? Are you uh, excited about anything?
1: Uh, yeah, a couple of things. I So let's see. I started playing Overwatch when it first came out with my brother. And okay. then we went over to we switched over to Apex when it came out. So I've been playing Apex in season zero. And then Overwatch 2 recently came out and it's been like super awesome to play uh, that again. Yeah. I've also been like super into Grounded recently. Okay. Um What is grounded? Grounded is I don't know how to explain you you get shrunk basically as a kid and you have to live in the lawn. And survive the lawn <laughs> and try to figure out how to grow again. Okay. Um, it's Yeah, so it has like several arachnophobia warnings before you start playing because these spiders are like bigger than you are and look realish. And so, but it's like you have to chop down grass to build a house and you have to find aphids and weevils to cook and eat. And it's just, I, just, it's just fun. It's a great survival game, in my opinion, which you can play with other people.
0: Honey, I Shrunk the Kids kind of thing where you're shrunk down to that size. Yeah.
1: Yes. But more nefarious backstory.
0: Do you actually grow, or is it just you're trying to stay in that environment and try and survive in that environment long enough? I mean, is it what sort of game mechanics are there? Is it a survival game? Is it
1: it mirrors Minecraft in a sense that you can, like, you have, to, mm, you have to find resources and then craft things. So you can craft armor and weapons, you can craft uh, an oven, um, you have to hunt to keep feeding yourself. There's dew that forms on the grass and you can use that to make sure you stay hydrated. Otherwise you'll die. Uh, So there's just like all sorts of game mechanics mashed into one. The concept is like, there's already someone who has been shrunk as like a science experiment and they left clues on how to get bigger and you're supposed to find this scientist and get bigger eventually. So I haven't reached the end game yet, so I can't spoil it, but I'm trying to figure it out. I'm sure there's a way to just play the game forever. But right now, i um, like I feel like I'm halfway through. So I'm, ex- I'm It's been it's been it's been immersive for me. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun.
0: And you play with people?
1: I wish nobody <laughs> wants to play with me. <laughs> it's yeah, well, it's a lot. I understand, and it's fun. It's fun alone, but I can imagine that it's really fun with people. Yeah. Um, right now, my with people games are Overwatch Two, Rocket League. And the new season of Apex just came out, so I'm guessing we'll switch back to that for a little bit.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, with the Overwatch 2, didn't it have a little bit of a rocky start? From what I've heard, it was... I would say most... It's not unusual, right?
1: Uh, the Overwatch community is super interesting too because the game's been out for so long and Overwatch 2 has been promised for so long. Mm-hmm. I think they're extra sensitive to stuff that doesn't go their way. Right, Entitlement is such a huge aspect to harassment, in my opinion, or why you feel like it's okay to harass other people. I think that people who played Overwatch forever with like almost no content updates and then, su- and then this like promise for a new game for almost a year, I think. Um, so I think they feel entitled to a better release, which, you know makes sense to some degree but the way that they express their entitlement is harassment
0: yeah you know developers and and things uh, of that nature i mean i think there's a little bit of empathy that needs to be put there also for gamers who are expecting the great you know like you know, like you, you, we've got lists of stuff where people were disappointed and reacted in such a way that was very negative. Like, you know, let's let's go to Cyberpunk. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, from what you see in Overwatch 2, uh, any company that gets death threats for some sort of change that they make, like didn't the uh, Ninja Theory, like going back to like Devil May Cry when they made the changes to the character when Ninja Theory did their version of DMC, for Devil May Cry, they receive death threats. And it's like, yeah, you know, th- this is all stuff that shows a a lack of understanding or wanting to understand in the gaming industry. In an industry like that, where we have people who do that, that seems like the the hotline is just a. I mean, you know, a oh boy. I mean, how how can how can we change the the culture of gaming as a whole? Like how people how gamers react to situations.
1: Yeah, I always say the games and games industry is just a, another sort of microcosm of our society as a whole, right? Just like I think sports or professional sports, you can get into a lot of conversations about race and gender in professional sports, mm. uh, but it's a microcosm of the way society functions. And so, the solution to like shifting game culture for me is just uh, the word today is empathy, empathy, just empathy all around. Like yeah. people who are mad that a game is released poorly or late should have empathy about game industry folks and game industry folks should have empathy for gamers because like they really care. Oh yeah. Uh, there's not a whole lot of things in the world that these gamers care about other than these games. And so to express, like, I'm not saying I'm not justifying death threats or, or rape threats. Like that's not what I'm saying. I, like there's has to be a modicum of care about the game in there right. to react in anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, I mean I definitely don't condone the reaction but the empathetic path to this is like it's it's cool that people really care about this thing um to this degree right even if like the only way they know how to react is through death threats and rape threats is like super problematic but again I think a reflection of our society generally so
0: yeah yeah and how do you how do you fix that as a, i mean as a company too who is managing this thing i mean i've seen various responses to These types of things saying we've received, you know, our, our developers are receiving death threats or whatever. And it just seems like, how do you convey that we understand you are excited about this game, but this is not the way to convey that excitement or to motivate us to do the work that we need to do to make this the best game possible. It's it's in fact, it can be very demotivating, you know.
1: Yeah, I think the current sad inevitability is that harassment is going to happen. Mm-hmm. We, there's, we're just not in a place to believe that harassment won't. And so the hotline really sort of tries to acknowledge, like, we hope for the better future and acknowledge, like, I think literally everyone in games has been harassed at one point or another. And so the capacity for empathy is actually, like, hugely there. Yeah. Uh, if, if everyone, like, everyone's been called the r word or the f word homophobic slur f word i can't imagine that there is a single person who has played online with other people who hasn't experienced that and so the capacity the the, the potential for experiencing empathy is really there Um, i do think that when it comes to men in particular our empathy muscle is atrophied greatly because as men we're taught that having emotions except for anger is what girls do or like mm. you're not allowed to cry otherwise like some of that stuff is literally beaten out of a lot of men and so in yes. boys so thinking about the connection of traditional masculinity to online harassment is really important for me and so if if we're going to do the masculine thing of fixing a problem when we see it i do think addressing the way men are raised or how men are allowed to express emotion uh is part of the problem
0: yeah oh definitely I, I feel very thankful that i was raised in the way that i was because i don't feel that i struggle as much with that kind of thing but yeah it, it does it is it is a problem um that kind of how how we are teach how we are taught how we are taught <laughs> to handle things based on just our sex and it's it is it is a bigger problem it's it's not something that we can fix overnight it's we've got to do it a, a little piece at a time, but you are enjoying Overwatch too, is what you're saying.
1: I am enjoying playing with friends. Gotcha. Game. The game is the vehicle for that.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's so it's it's got some some growing pains, some balancing things. You're you're just enjoying it with with folks.
1: Five v five, and I have two to three friends who I consistently play with. So, and then like the other team, there's five of them over there, mm-hmm. and there's a chat function, and I've already seen. A bunch of chats or i get like dm through xbox messenger uh what a trash player i am and so you know it's just like yeah community the game itself is fun i would say if everyone else was a bot or if everyone else just didn't talk i would say it's a lot of fun yeah. um it's fun playing games with friends like that's what i think draws a lot of people the games anyway is like the community aspect of it the feeling of connection the highs of winning and the lows of losing yeah. um all of that adds up to an experience that we don't want to let go of, uh, and that's part of the the mantra of the Games Hotline is like acknowledge how it exists today and and envision a brighter future by one providing support on the back end of harassment, but mm-hmm. two doing the work to try to prevent harassment in the first place.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's all. I mean, you know, more power to you guys. I mean, that's that's amazing what what you folks are doing over there. I am.
1: It is, it is tough work, but uh, there's definitely a, part, a piece in the back of my brain that's having a lot of fun.
0: Oh, yeah. Are there avenues for people to volunteer over there? Are most of the folks who do the support of your text volunteers?
1: So currently we work through a call center that provides some of the agents for us Okay, right now. Our focus so we just turned two years old in august our focus in year three is to continue to move towards more of an independent call center type of model where we sort of do our own support of our agents um and then hopefully we grow enough to the point where we will need volunteers who we can train to help staff the hotline um as the engagement kicks up so we had close to 300 text messages last year okay uh volunteering and helping us out is on your mind um one donate please uh, we always love and appreciate donations to help support the hotline and the stuff that we do mm-hmm. Two, spread the word the more people who know about the resource the more healing we can do generally uh the more we can understand harassment better and three there is a form you can fill out to help volunteer or help us with whatever skills that you might bring to the table if you go to gameshotline.org You'll find a place to fill out a form to send us.
0: That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Carl, for being on the show with me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. If you want to show your support, go ahead and go to...
1: Gameshotline.org.
0: Gameshotline.org. Perfect. And on that note, thank you for joining us on the Two Vague Podcast. My name is Ben.
1: And my name is Carl.
0: And we've been your hosts. Have a wonderful night. Deuces. Bye.